0: Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the rich blessings you give us in Christ and we thank you that you have gathered us to hear your word and we pray even through screens where you've got us that we will understand the place of religion and how it affects our relationship with you and with each other. We understand, Father, that we get things wrong. We understand that we fail and we don't do what we ought. We pray, Father, as we think through religion and we think through Christianity as a religion that we'll understand how the rules and practices that we have as your people both, both help to structure and teach us so that we can live for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. I remember when I was younger, I did not like test cricket. I thought it was boring. I could not understand how my father and my brother could sit there and watch it for five days. I'd drop in for a moment, watch a few balls and think, oh, wow, this is boring, and then go off and do something else. Later, as I got older, I came to understand the nature of test cricket and I came to really enjoy the game Test cricket narrates an epic contest between bat and ball. It's a game of skill played out over five days. There's endurance to the game. No one ball can tell the story of the game. Each ball asks a little question. Each ball tests the technique of both the bowler and the batter. It tests the footwork, their endurance, their mental fortitude. It's an accumulation of questions that happen over five days And each question probes the players and probes their abilities. And it comes to the point that through each of these individual moments, a great story unfolds that allows the fortunes of the teams to fluctuate over those five days. It's a drama that engrosses the watcher, that helps us understand as the teams chip and probe away, trying to gain some sort of ascendancy, and ultimately victory. It is a fascinating contest. Now, when it comes to religion, it and sport share a lot of the characteristics. Religion is not sport and sport is not religion, but they share many aspects that allow sport to take on a quasi-religious nature. Sport has its rituals, its hallowed grounds, its holy grounds, as it were. Players certainly have their superstitions. Teams have their friends and their foes. Sport has its songs, its chants. Do I hear an oi, 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 anyone? Probably that is one of the most pathetic chants in all of world sport, but there it is. And it also has its dances, a la... The hucker by the All Blacks or the Rugby All Black team. But the key to sport is the rules. People have no problem with the idea there are rules in sport because they understand that the rules allow and make the game interesting. They make it safe. They make it fun to play. The game is not about the rules. Instead, the rules facilitate enjoyment of the game, both for the players and the referees, but also for those who are spectating. The rules allow people to know what is going on. And people may argue about those rules, but no one will ever argue that the games or the sports shouldn't have rules. The rules define the game. And this is where religion and sport have crossover. They both have rules. In the same way that sport has rules, so too religion has its rules, has its practices. But interestingly enough, when it comes to religion, an idea that people accept just as naturally in sport that all sports have rules seems to be chucked out when it comes to religion. The big difference between religion and sport is their respective goals. And the idea in sport is, or the goal in sport, is to get some ball across some line or hit some ball across some fence. But each sport has its goals. And in the same way, religion has its goals. But those goals are different. The goals of each individual religion are different depending on what they believe. But they all have rules, and that I'm talking about religion, all has its rules so participants, disciples or followers know how to act. And they help people understand the rules within a religion, how they can relate to each other. Now, what I'm going to be lo- talking about today is the place of rules when it comes to our relationship with God. I'm talking about the place of religion. Within our society, we have this idea that, or certainly with Christians, that it's either a religion or a relationship. And my goal today is to help us to understand the place of religion, the place of rules, as we relate to our God and as we relate to each other. We're not going to chuck the rules out just because the rules are bad. We we want to understand how the religion and the relationship work together so that we can serve our God and serve each other. And what I'm going to do is start a conversation. I'm not going to cover the whole topic because it's a massive subject, but we want to start to think about how our religion, our Christian religion, affects our relationship with God. Now, the first place to start when we're talking about the religion is to define what we mean by religion and I'm going to start with this simple definition. A religion is a set of rules or practices that unites a community or communities to what they consider to be important or sacred. Let me say that again. A religion is a set of rules or practices that unite communities so that, uh, to what they consider to be sacred or important. And here is why I'm using this definition Because all people have sets of rules of the way they should relate to each other. And they're all trying to achieve some sort of goal. And when they have these set of religious rules, these set of practices, as it were, they get their identity, they get their values, they get their meaning and purpose from those rules, from those ideas. That is, every religion is trying to achieve some goal, some purpose, And this means every single person on the planet is religious in some way or other. Everybody has their purposes, everybody has their goals, everybody has their meanings and they have their practices of how to achieve them. And this is what God is driving at in the third commandment when he says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. He is saying, if you're going to be known, as Yahweh's people. If you're going to take on Yahweh's goals and Yahweh's practices, then act as part of Yahweh's people. Act as one of Yahweh's uh, persons. Act for the sake of Yahweh. Or to put it Christianly, if you're going to take on Christ's goals, act like a Christian. And here is where the difference between sport and religion can get blurred. I remember when I was in England, my brother and I went to a Tottenham Hotspurs game. And I know it was Tottenham Hotspurs, I'll never forget it. Now, I can't remember who they were playing, but I do remember who they weren't playing that day. And the reason is for this. As my brother and I sat there and watched the game, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the crowd stood up and started singing, Stand up if you hate Arsenal! And everybody in the crowd was standing up. And so my brother and I stood up as well, not because we hated Arsenal, but because we needed to see what was going on and the people in front of us were blocking us. And I remember as I'm standing there, as the whole crowd is chanting, stand up if you hate Arsenal, and I'm looking around the standing thinking, where is Arsenal? They're nowhere to be seen. And it was then that I came to understand a very important aspect of English football. See, we were at Tottenham Hotspur's field, and I think they were playing Sheffield United. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. But as I was sitting there, they were talking about Arsenal, which was the other North London team. And the Tottenham Hotspur supporters were North Londoners. And they were saying, well, we hate Arsenal. We hate the supporters across the road to the point of they would get into actual fights about their support. And what they were doing was getting their identity, getting their values from supporting this team. Wherever people find their value, wherever people find their meaning in life, you are dealing with a religion. And in a culture that has basically dumped God as a source of meaning and purpose... Anything can and does take his place. As I said, a religion is a set of rules or practices to achieve some sort of meaning and purpose. And this can take on almost any form. Now, I want to talk about the Christian religion today. I want to talk about what other religions do. And I want to start with how religion can fail us, how the rules and practices we follow can actually fail us. The idea of religion has taken a bit of battering over some time. So I will start with talking with how the rules we follow can fail us in time or how they can be used badly. When it comes to the Christian religion, the place to start is really with Israel in the wilderness. That is with God setting up the... Tabernacle as the place or center of worship for Israel. And the key to the whole setup was the sacrificial altar. The altar stood between the entrance to the tent of, uh, entrance to the courtyard and the entrance to God's meeting tent. And it blocked a person's approach to God. That was the point. It taught people that the way to God was through a sacrifice and people were supposed to learn that. That was the practice that was set up to teach people and they were meant to ask from following this practice, well, we keep on sacrificing all these animals, when's that going to be enough? But most never got to that question. Instead, they kept up the practices without ever thinking about their meaning, without ever thinking about the relationship and where they were pointing. Israel thought their practices pleased God and so it didn't matter what they did throughout the rest of their lives as long as they did the right thing followed the right rituals then God would be happy with that yet in every other aspect of their lives they're ignoring God and ignoring what he said and this infuriated God in fact God ended up hating their religious practices so much. He says in Isaiah, Stop bringing useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbath and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and your prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. God reflects upon Israel's practices and says, stop it. I've had a gutful. They are nothing but meaningless, mindless, mechanical bowel motions. Israel was treating the religion like it was magic. If I say the right thing and do the right thing, then God will be just happy. The powers of the universe will be pleased with me and it doesn't matter what I do for the rest of the week. And this is the religion that God had set up. By separating their religious practice from their relationship, by separating their religious practice from their intended meaning and purpose, Israel had angered God. It was not that the religion was bad. The religion was supposed to teach them. But they did the rituals and ignored the relationship. They were treating God like he was an idiot. It is like with God, well, out of sight, out of mind. God's out of my sight, therefore he's out of my mind. And it was just nonsense. And we still do it today. Have you heard of the car park conversion? Do not think that you can act foolishly, that you can do whatever you please throughout the week, that you can be fighting with your husband and your wife, then come to church, park the car, put a smile on your face and everything will be okay. That's nonsense. Sure. Joe, Dave and I might not be able to notice it. You can fool us. Trust me, that ain't hard. But make no mistake, you cannot fool God. He sees your heart. He knows what you think and what you do behind your front door. And that is the danger of simply following the rules the religious practices, the religious rules, just doing the right actions. That will not make you right with God. Religion does not save a person. Religion it cannot save a person. Rules and regulations, they are tools. They are good tools. They serve a purpose. But ultimately, they mean nothing, nothing unless our hearts are in it. And that is what God really cares about. And this is the point Jesus makes throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And this is from Matthew 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Or, whenever you pray, pray. You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people, I assure you. They have received or they have got their reward. Doing religious acts to please men or before men because it looks good, that is foolish. You might fool some of the people some of the time but you will never, ever fool God. Jesus constantly attacks the Pharisees for this type of behaviour. They were hypocrites. They were saying, you should do this, and then they were doing the complete opposite. What, well, do you think God's a fool that he won't see that? Don't do it. Jesus attacks their religious practice all the time because their religious practice meant nothing. It was done before men to please men. Well, good for men. And when Jesus curses the fig tree, that is why he's cursing because their religious practice wasn't producing the fruit that God desired. Israel had failed to produce good and right relationships. They took the religion and they ignored the relationship. But here is the danger. We must be careful at this point not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that is just because people practice religion badly, that doesn't mean religion is necessarily bad. And this is reading from Matthew. This is what Jesus says. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. Here, Jesus says that the Pharisees practice God's religion wrongly. They heard the words but they weren't following through with them. They weren't following through with their hearts and their practice showed that. He does not say the religion is false. Jesus is not saying the words or the rules are false. Instead, he says their practice is false. Their lives show that they are false and that is why people say religion is false. Because they look at the way people act, they look at what the rules say and they look at the religion and say, well, you're just a hypocrite. Why should I pay attention to your religious values? But in rejecting religion, people have made this mistake. They have thought because the religion and the people who use the religious practices do it badly, that the way to fix the problem is to chuck out the religion with the rules. That idea is just as evil as those who practice the religion badly. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy. But we know that the law is good provided one uses it legitimately. There is a wrong way to use the law. There is a right way to use the law. And Paul here is speaking about the Old Testament religious laws and rules. There is a true religion. There is a right way to practice religion. And Paul uses a sports analogy to Timothy himself when he talks about the rules. He says this, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul wants Timothy and us to reflect upon the fact that when you play a game, You must play and follow the rules. Do you really think, as Paul talks about this sports analogy to Timothy, that he cares about games? No. Like in sport, where the participants have to follow the rules, so too in religion, the rules are there to help and guide people. The rules serve to teach and encourage to order the life of the church. The rules are there not just to teach us how to relate to God, though they certainly do that, but they're also there to teach us how we can relate to one another. Christians are not singular. It's not my Bible and me under a tree. Christianity is not about following our hearts to whatever desire we want or chasing every whim, it is considered, it is thought through. We don't make stuff up and call on God to fulfil our every desire. There are rules, there are processes and procedures to follow. Can you imagine playing soccer, picking up the ball, throwing it in the net and then doing a lap around the field going, wow, what a great goal. Gee whiz, people would think I'm awesome. If you think that, you're a fruitless. And if you really want to pick up a ball during soccer and run and score across the line, play rugby. You are not playing the game according to the rules. Like any game, there are rules to follow. There are religious practices to follow. What we do does matter. Learning to follow the rules does matter we must not fall for the idea that because people use religion badly that means all religion is bad there are rules and procedures that are there to help guide and protect and forward and move all our relationships forward both our relationship with God and our relationships with each other and so really brings us to the goal of religion. It brings us to the goal of the Christian religion. And this was read for us by Carol in the James 1 reading. If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The rules here exist for a reason. They are there to care for our weak. Our culture is attracted to successful and powerful people because they think the successful and the powerful can give them stuff. And the reason James tells us to care for the orphans and the widows is because they can't give us anything in return. And that is a massive point of the book of James. Don't show favouritism. And this is how you know if people are using religion rightly. They don't shun the weak due to their weakness. So much of our legal system today is, belongs to the rich and powerful. The court systems have become a joke. Why? Because justice is paid for. James attacks this type of favouritism throughout his letter. It is the weak. If the weak and the poor act in an evil manner, then they deserve punishment. If the rich and the powerful, they do evil, they deserve punishment. And we all know this to be true. Many in our society pretend weakness as a means of obtaining power and that also is evil, but God's justice is blind. It takes no account of wealth or power weakness or poverty, but measures each incident based on its own merit. And in the same manner, we must not show favouritism in religion. We must care for the poor, but not to the point of overlooking evil. We must rebuke the rich and not show favouritism because it gives us power or access, or or some sort of fortune. And finally, and it was just at the start, learn to control your tongues. Whether it be face-to-face, or most especially in today's social media world, watch what you say on the internet. You might be typing it, but it is your tongue, and God will judge you for the words you place on the internet. For Christians, the world is not a dichotomy between religion or relationship. People all over the world have a religion. I often joke with people who say to me that they are not religious. I say, just because you can hold your church service in a broom closet doesn't mean you're not religious. It just means your church is quite small. As As much of Australians would like to characterise themselves as not being religious, the truth is they are deeply religious people. They have goals and they have purposes in life which give them meaning and they enshrine those meaning, meaning and purposes in rules. They are just ignoring the religious nature of their rules because, well, it suits them. Okay, that is their choice. Christians believe in religion because we know it has its values. We know it has its place. We seek to understand the rules and follow them to the best of our ability from our hearts because we know God matters. We know people matter. We are in a relationship with God and others and those relationships have rules both for their good and our good. And so let us follow them for the sake of each other, knowing that the ultimate umpire is God. And he does care about the way we play because he can see whether our heart is in it or not. And in the end, God is the one who we are truly paying for, playing for. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for religion. We thank you for the rules and practices you have set down and help us to be wise as we use rules, help us to use them not as a means of trying to uh, trick people or just most especially trying to trick you. Help us to use the rules and the practices you have set down to care for one another, to love one another. Help us to be listening intently so that we can build each other up in Christ and use religion to facilitate the relationships that you have given us in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.